Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the co-host, and I'm joined today by my other co-host. Jamie Stabar of Stillmeyer Games. Jamie, I am thrilled to have you here with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Richard. It's, it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to talking about Kickstarter again with you. It has. The holidays got kind of got in the way. This is episode 179, and I think this is our fourth time, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Perfect. And so let's just, um, there's always so much to talk. When when I get a chance to just spend time with you, there's always so much stuff to cover. And I know you, your blog, if people aren't aware, stonemeyergames.com, where they can go and find out all the stuff that you know about Kickstarter, because you've been blogging there extensively about your Kickstarter lessons. How many Kickstarter posts do you have out there? I think it's close to about 80 right now. And these are... And just so people know, these aren't um, promotion of Kickstarters. These are lessons that you have learned as you've gone about building this uh, successful process for kickstarting your board games, right? Exactly. Yeah. Some of the lessons are kind of how to how to do this on Kickstarter, how to do that. Some are kind of somewhat philosophical, how to treat backers well, how to how to how to run a uh, game company through Kickstarter, that, that sort of thing. There's a there's a good mix of things that I've learned from Kickstarter that I've wanted to share with other people. Well, you've done a great job sharing. I find so much great information, so I encourage all of our listeners to uh, check that out. Stone Meyer, and Meyer is spelled M-A-I-E-R. That's right. Yep. StoneMeyerGames.com. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, something that's been on my mind a lot lately that I, I would love to get your thoughts on, and I, I feel like other people might be interested in your thoughts on it, are... Um, a specific niche of Kickstarter exclusives. Um, by Kickstarter exclusives, I, I mean uh, things that a Kickstarter creator offers on a project that backers can only get if they back the project on Kickstarter. Um, just to give you a little bit of context, you and, and, and our listeners here, I, I run two, two Kickstarter campaigns for, for board games. One was Viticulture about a year ago. And on Viticulture, we offered um, gameplay, some gameplay exclusives. So there were some cards, some promo cards that you could get if you backed the project. And Kickstarter was the only way you could get those cards. And I, I learned in the months that followed the Kickstarter how much people value even just an extra card or two that they can no longer get, you know, they're, they're, because they were looking to the Kickstarter. Right. Um, you're, you're familiar with that that phenomenon, right? Oh yeah, yeah. idea. Mm -hmm. yeah, yes, completely. It, yes, and it, it's kind of like we're uh, yeah we're we're giving a, a drug to an addict. Yes, it's <laughs> so, yes, completely understand that. And I, I vastly underestimated that, um, and it, it I think it led to some frustration from people who couldn't get the full game. It led, uh, fortunately, I don't think it really impacted retail sales because Viticulture sold really quickly in retail. But I think I have heard from some people who have said they're, they're not going to buy Viticulture because they can't get the whole game. They can't get the complete game. And I, kind of an interesting result was that Viticulture, the full version of Viticulture with those gameplay exclusives, sold for three, four, five times as much sometimes on eBay and BoardGameGeek in the secondary market. Not by me, but by other by my backers who bought the game, um, because people wanted the complete version that badly, and so I saw that happening, and it didn't really feel right to me. Like it was great for those backers, I guess, as they were making that much money off the game, but it didn't feel right to me that that the game was missing 
um, those those elements, those fundamental elements. So uh, I'll continue the story about euphoria in a second, but do you have anything you want to jump in and, and say about that, Richard? Yeah, I mean, that, that's really a um... – that's a great point because you see it, you know, the commem- the commemorative coin or right. at the Olympics where you get the spe- special Olympic pin that you can only get, you know, at the Olympics, uh, having um, had the Olympics in my hometown. It, it, it certainly is a great, um, a great thing to, uh, to draw people in and have them be more participatory in right. that particular thing. But mm-hmm. I don't need the pin to have enjoyed the Olympics. And your point is right. valid is that there is an aspect of the game that they don't get to participate in because they, because through no fault of their own, they were not part, uh, aware of or didn't participate in that small window of time in the grand scale of things, those 30 days, they weren't, they weren't aware of that. And, Suddenly now it's important to them, and and now they're kind of feeling cheated that they have to go spend right. this significant amount of money simply because because they didn't know. Exactly. Yes. So well, there we of, go. There's the, my perspective on that. The the common thread that that we're going to be talking about today, maybe this podcast, and maybe even others if we record more today, is um, the idea that. It's okay to run a Kickstarter just for the sake of running one Kickstarter project and that's it. But some Kickstarter creators are trying to build a company. They're trying to build a brand. And Kickstarter exclusives, as I discovered a little bit with Viticulture, um, depending on how you use them, you might create a really successful Kickstarter project, but you might hurt your chances of becoming a Kickstarter-driven company in the long run or a company that survives off of Kickstarter. Yeah, because because emotionally people are associating a negative with your brand rather than a positive. Mm -hmm. The number of people who who benefited from that exclusivity are so much smaller compared to the vast pool of people who didn't benefit. And so you're actually, yes, you're hurting a vast larger number of people than you're helping. Right. Right. So kind of with that in mind, yeah, you're talking about? Well, yeah. So in my capacity, oftentimes when when you're doing – I've put on technology conferences in the past all over the world. And one of the things I always talk to my team um, is that they were worried about numbers or they were worried about people showing up or they're worried about how many tickets we were selling or whatever it was to the conference. And I would always remind people that that the event itself, that one singular event, um, that – that was important, but what was more important, the 100 people or 500 people who were going to show up to that event was so insignificant to the amount of people who didn't get to come. And if you created a desire there, the desire that built up in those who couldn't come was something that you actually could tap into further down the line um, by building up that expectation. Oh, I so much wanted to go to that event. I couldn't. I'll go ahead and buy their software or their book or whatever, and I'll feel like I got a piece of it. One of the things that we always did was to make sure that we made the event available online afterwards at no charge because it's the experience we were selling. And I always reminded my team, don't worry about how many people showed up. It's all the people who didn't make it that we're actually Mm. selling to. Interesting. Yeah. And then I think that's kind of what you're talking about here, right? That is what, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's really, it's a tough balance, uh, because you are trying to create that experience that, that people who come into, into the project late 
they, they want to be a part of it. They still want the game or whatever, or whatever you're producing. But at the same time, I think, uh, I want to respect my original backers that I, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if, if it weren't for my viticulture backers. And I, I wouldn't have been able to go full time on some of our games, if not for the euphoria backers. And that's, a, so, and that's a valid point yeah. for us to mention is that you now, because of the success of these two Kickstarter projects, you've been able to quit your job and now you're full time doing nothing but. Stonemeyer Games. Right. Yeah, I've been able to take a Kickstarter project and turn it into a career um, thanks to those backers. But to sustain that career, I have to look beyond the backers to the next level. So do you got some ideas then that you're thinking about? Because I have some, but mine are based more on theory and yours are more based on practicality, I think. Well, he, here's the, the – I guess the, the next I did change in, with that in mind. I kind of shifted our strategy for Euphoria when when I ran my second Kickstarter campaign for a game called Euphoria. I didn't have any gameplay exclusives, and I thought I would address the issue of exclusives um, and still get people excited about the project and wanting to back the project instead of waiting um, by putting in kind of component upgrades in the project. Now, Richard, I think I, I sent you a copy of Euphoria. Did I send you the copy with the... Uh... You did, and it's yeah. uh, to the jealousy of most of my gaming group, and we have loved playing <laughs> the game. And we're talking about when you open up the box, because uh, um, Aldo, who's been on the show, who uh, you and I both know, Aldo had a copy of just the, the retail version, and I had a copy of the, the um, Kickstarter version. And opening right. up that Kickstarter version, I didn't know. Uh, and as I'm looking, oh, this is cool. Aldo opened his copy and suddenly there was uh, component envy, right? Because you had right. the gold pieces, bricks of gold felt and weighed like bricks of gold. What, what material did you use there? Uh, it's, it's just like a, an aluminum metal composite. Well, it feels like gold. And that comment has been made several times on those who have played the game. The gold felt like gold. The wood feels like wood. The stone feels like stone. Um, you've, you've done a great job of upgrading those components and it makes a very different playing experience. It does. Yeah. And that's what I thought it would be. It's, it was very expensive to do that, but, um, I thought it was a neat thing to do for the backers to get them excited about the project and just to give credit to the retail version, you've seen it too. All the components in the retail version are still custom shapes. Oh yeah. Um, they're unique. They're still I mean, you can say they're, they're, they're nice components, right? The, oh, yeah, it's all very nice. The difference was is yeah. that I have a – I can't remember the gold. Is it is it a plastic piece, a heavy plastic? They're, they're wooden. They're oh, wooden. That's right. Yeah. I thought, okay, so you have a head, a nice wooden piece, which is very nice, versus a metal heavy in your hand piece. Right. With opening – you know, when Aldo opened his version, it looks great and it plays great. And it's only when you get to see that, oh, you know – you got little gold bars. How come I don't have little gold bars? <laughs> I, it, made, it, made right. a bit of, it made a bit of a difference from that perspective. But from gameplay, no, the components were very high scale, very nicely done. And so what you just talked about, kind of the component envy, is what I'm starting to encounter now as the game is out at, at retail stores. Um, so we produced 3,300 copies of Euphoria. I kept about 800 or so for myself to sell through Amazon and directly through our website. And I sent a, a bunch off to Aldo and an impressions of friend Aldo to sell to distributors. So like we, like I said, I'm trying to build a company here. I'm trying to sell this retail version of the game, which is still a really high quality version of the game. But the Kickstarter version is nicer. It has nicer components. Um, 
So seeing what I'm happening now with, with that difference and the people who continue to email me and ask me for those special components, and I continue to stick with my backers, and I say, no, you know, they were only available through the Kickstarter campaign, has made me start to rethink how I want to run projects in the future in regards to exclusives. Okay. And so this leads to the, yeah. Okay. So I have a question for you. Do you want to jump in there before I ask the big question? Nope. Ask me the question because maybe I, maybe okay. I was going to comment on the question. So the, the two solutions that I'm playing around with, um, and you might have another better solution. But these, are, these are two that I've been thinking of. The first is that on a future campaign, say I have a new game call, come out um, on Kickstarter, that there, there would be no Kickstarter exclusives. There would be a Kickstarter version of the game that I would offer at a steep discount through Kickstarter. So say it's a $70 game, I offer it for $49 on Kickstarter. Okay. But I make it very clear through, through the campaign that if people want to wait to get the game, they can do that, but they'll only be able to get it from me, and they'll only be able to get it for full MSRP, $70. So they can either get it early for 49 and get all the cool stuff, or they can wait later and get all the cool stuff, or they can just go to their local game store and get the retail version of the game, which will still be really nice, but it won't have some of those unique elements. It may not have there might even be there might be gameplay exclusives, component upgrade exclusives. So they can either go to me and get it for seventy dollars, or they can go to retailers that, that will have it probably heavily discounted, um, as retailers often do, um, how to get the retail version. So that's option one. The other option I'm considering is to make uh, to kind of have an exclusive, uh, uh, let's see, it's not an expansion, but it would be like a bonus pack that you could buy. So after yep. Kickstarter, you could buy the bonus pack. And you could only, again, you could only buy that from, from us, um, from some of our games. But there wouldn't be two versions of the game out there. There would be, uh, there would be the retail version of the game, and all Kickstarter backers for the same price would get all those upgraded components. But anyone after Kickstarter could buy the retail version and then go to my website, and for fifteen twenty bucks they could buy the bonus add-on pack. And again, I would be completely transparent. We talked about transparency with the backers; they they would know that this is what's happening. They're getting a, a discounted version of the full game. And with that version or that idea, I wouldn't be competing with retailers at all anymore. I would kind of be respecting the distribution channels the retailers are selling the retail version of the game, and. If people want a little bit more, they want a little bit better, then they come directly to my website and get the, the bonus add-on pack. What what do you think? Are either of those options good? Is there a third option that you think is better? Uh, both options are awesome. Both op- options are awesome. I have a, again, uh, in some of my training and working with my team, I've worked with a lot of different companies as a vice president of marketing. Oftentimes pricing came up. And I had a, mm-hmm. say, I had a saying that I worked with um, that, that uh, some – people struggle with. And I always said that it's easier to raise your price than it is to lower your price. Right. And, and the point I always used is you go out to buy a car and the car costs $10,000. Let's just say it's a cheap car. Uh, we could say mm-hmm. 20, but 10,000 works because it's easier math. So $10,000 uh, item, you go and spend that money. And the next week you see that item listed for $8,000. You, this is what we just talked about. You have a negative experience with what you thought was a pleasant experience has now tended into a negative experience after the sale because the price came down. Right. Right. Um, and you're mad. 
and you don't actually even want to tell people what you paid because you got you made a bad decision and you don't want to share right. people that. Now, flip it around. You go out there and, and buy a $10,000 item and then two weeks later, it's settling, selling for $12,000. Mm -hmm. Now, who are you going to tell? You're going to tell every person on the planet that that really coveted item that they, they're getting for $12,000, you got it for ten because you're smarter and you were on top of things and you were more prescient. All the things that make you feel good about this financial decision you made, you get to kind of put it in their face, a little bit of bragging rights. And this happens with consumers all the time. And so in your, in your example, both scenarios, I believe, would work. Um, having a – you could also argue and say, look, this is a Kickstarter exclusive limited time. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that also works because you're still being true to the fact that Kickstarter backers are participating because of that. They want to be in on the ground floor, adding a commemorative mm -hmm. coin or adding a sticker or adding anything that sets their copy apart. Simply even from a cosmetic standpoint is sometimes enough of incentive for them to pull out their copy that says Kickstarter across the top. Versus right. the retail copy that doesn't say Kickstarter. They could be the exact same game and they could have paid the exact same price. But the one that right. says Kickstarter across the top is a little bit more coveted uh, copy. And so the, the point that you're bringing up is, yes, you could then say, look, these components are only available through Kickstarter included in the game. But if you want to purchase them later on, we will sell them in packets. I think that's a great idea because then people get to buy them. They get to have the components like we were talking about, experience the game. But then they also know that when they talk to their friend who has a copy, oh, you've got the copy. I didn't know that you got in on the Kickstarter campaign. And the person has right. to hum and haw. Well, I didn't. I bought the packet. Ah, the Kickstarter person still has bragging rights. They still right. have the ability to say, yeah, you paid that and I got it early. See how smart I am? And, <laughs> And, and that's what's going on with these uh, these fans of, of these projects. So I think either one of those is a great idea. Okay. Well, that's that's good. That's really good to know. It's something that I've debated for a long time. So it's. I think it's going to come down to a, bus a business decision on your part of what makes uh, more sense for multiple copies of the game out there, um, right? Logistics, manufacturing, all of those components. Right. Right. Yeah, the, having an, a bonus pack would require an extra box to be designed and manufactured. Yeah. Whereas if I'm just producing two versions, or well, like the same box with two different versions of the components on the inside, that's a little easier to manufacture, but um, there's some downsides to that. There are well. some downsides. Yeah. Well, well, Jamie, I think that's been great. We've taken 20 minutes. Great. I think that was a great, a great topic. I, I love that. We'll be interested to hear what other people tell you what listeners, if you have your input, you can contact Jamie. Um, Jamie, they can reach you out on the Stonemeyer games uh, website, right? Yeah, they can. You can reach out to me, um, game whisperer or Richard bliss on Twitter. And if you have a question or a comment, you'd like to uh, submit to us, let us know. And on the, one of the future episodes, we'll bring it up and, and uh, kind of do that uh, feedback that we get from you, the listeners. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My mom, Richard Bliss, the co-host with Jamie Stegmeyer from 
Stillmeyer Games. Stillmeyer Games. You've been listening to episode 179. We appreciate you listening. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring, kind of make you a little smarter on Kickstarter next time. We look forward to seeing your project out there so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.